Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Everything 80s podcast, Stranger Things Season 3 preview show. Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s podcast and doing sort of a separate standalone show here now because Stranger Things Season 3 is coming out on July 4th. So I thought I'd do sort of, um, you know, a recap of the first two seasons, what to expect coming into the third season, uh, theories, predictions, all that good stuff. So we'll get right to it. But before we begin, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find your podcast, I should be there. Okay, let's do this then. So it feels like it's been forever since season two of Stranger Things finished. And if you're like me, you're just trying to like breathe and waiting, obviously, in, in anticipation, which everyone is with Stranger Things. Like it's been called the ultimate love letter to the 80s and I really think that is a good description of this show like it it takes some you know obviously classic movie tropes some themes references and it kind of puts them all together into uh, more of an original story while creating their own legacy at the same time you know so I'm assuming you've you've watched the show uh, because you know some of the classic things it's referenced over the first two seasons like you know Dungeons and Dragons E.T is a big influence for L and the whole thing. Jaws is referenced a lot. Return of the Jedi, the Karate Kid, the Goonies, the Lost Boys, Dawn of the Dead. We'll get to all that different stuff. So this is what we'll do. We'll start looking at the basically like quick synopsis of like season one and season two. So, I mean, again, if you're listening to a show like this, I assume you've watched Stranger Things. If not, stop this and just go watch the entire thing. Actually, both seasons right away just to get up to speed but like you know obviously there's spoilers here and i think when like what four years have gone by you've kind of missed the boat on anything to do with spoilers so here's just a quick catch up on what happened in the first season so we're in this the fictional town of hawkins indiana and it's 1983 and there's a government agency has accidentally opened up a rift into what they call the upside down which is a mirror image of our real world. So it's an alternate dimension where there's, you know, various monsters and creatures that reside, including in this season, the creature called the Demogorgon, which is used as one of the um, sort of pawn pieces in Dungeons and Dragons. The kids are playing when the show starts. Interesting. Every time they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and they're using like a figure character, that character is probably going to show up in the show. So at the same time, there is a young girl with a shaved head who has escaped on a, uh, from a lab where she had been used for sort of psychokinetic experiments. 
So on a rainy night, a la E.T., the boys run into her, um, catch her in the flashlight, exactly like that that scene of when they discover E.T. So they take her into um, their home and kind of under her wing. She's branded with the number 11, and they begin to call her 11, or L for short. So L is able to control things with her mind, like Yoda, really. And that anytime she does that, it results in her nose uh, dripping some blood. She becomes very weak. Again, this is just a quick synopsis as opposed to like all eight episodes. So Will has an older brother named Jonathan who's a bit of an outcast. He's tormented by the school jock who's named Steve Harrington. Steve is dating Mike's older sister, Nancy. She has a best friend named Barb uh, who has also disappeared in the Upside Down. Spoiler, spoiler alert here. Barb doesn't make it. The whole time... Will is gone through the whole season. He's trapped in the Upside Down. So the first series culminates with Will being rescued from the Upside Down and Eleven destroying the Demogorgon, which while doing so sucks her into the Upside Down too. So with the end of the first season, we're left with Will showing signs that he's still actually infected with something. He kind of like pukes up this little tadpole type thing that escapes down his sink. So he's obviously still connected physically some way to the upside down. And as the series finishes as well, the first season, Jim Hopper, chief Jim Hopper is leaving some Eggo waffles in the woods in a little sort of mailbox sort of thing. And Eggos happen to be Eleven's favorite food. So obviously implying she is still around and she is still able to kind of navigate between both worlds. So that leads into stranger things season two, which I think had, the greatest teaser trailer I've ever seen. I don't know if you remember during the Super Bowl, it debuted the the trailer. So more, actually more teaser. It started with a commercial of the old Eggo Waffles featuring the kid who's the older brother from the Wonder Years. And, you know, no one knew this thing was coming. No one knew there'd be a second season or anything like that. Basically, like yeah, everyone just sort of flipped out when this happened. So the thing with the first season is it was an, instant classic and it caught everyone off guard including netflix it seems if you recall back like no no one knew of this show it wasn't advertised it wasn't promoted they put such a little amount of money into the show and the like promotion and advertising that the strength of the show was built on word of mouth it's kind of like the old school classic like as much as things can go viral and they're pushed by you know whatever netflix or massive corporations the old school word of mouth, like you've got to watch this show, is still happening. And you can see it in the show. I mean, it's low budget in a sense that like it doesn't look low budget, but they're using a lot of simple techniques and kind of effects to achieve it. It's a lot of what they've done is created like like with lighting and mood and, and tone and intending um sort of drama as opposed to just being like blam all in your face. And sometimes that's the most, that can be some of the most horrific uh, type of movies or shows. So it's amazing what happened. Like I didn't, I don't think I watched the show till six months after it came out. I think it was, I don't even remember when it debuted, but like, like I said, no one knew this was up. It's just such a weird thing. Netflix just dumps it out there. Doesn't really tell anyone, but then it's so good. Of course, everyone just freaks out and grows with it. So the problem, like any monster hit, is how do you follow it up with a sequel? I mean, this has plagued any franchise you can ever think of from 
obviously Star Wars, the Back to the Future to Indiana Jones to um, the modern Batman movies. It's like you're always stuck with that thing of how do you avoid doing a complete rehash of the first season, but you want to like take it in a new direction, but you don't want it to stray too far away. You want it to stay to its roots, but you don't want people to think like, ah, we just already saw this in the first season. Like there's always that letdown kind of like if you think how big the dark Knight was when they had um, Heath Ledger into it and they, they sort of took it in this new direction. And then when the third Batman movie came, um, what was that? The dark Knight returns or, you know, when they're bringing back Bane and you, you sort of already know this world. So it doesn't have as big an impact because you're already familiar with everything. So with stranger things, season one, you're seeing everything for the first time. It's all new. It's all novel. The second season there's no transition. You're like, you're right into it. So it's really a tough thing to kind of balance between sort of serving what got you there, but like not being restricted by that. I I think season two did a good job. I I think it, it, it held up very well. So the second season has a new creature, has new characters. This time we're dealing with the mind flare, which is, this massive um, creature is terrorizing Will and eventually all of Hawkins. We now have Bob, who is Joyce's new boyfriend, played by nostalgia staple Sean Astin from obviously Lord of the Rings and the Goonies. And amazing thing, like how would they think the the Stephen King it world exists in the same universe as Stranger Things as one of the scenes in the car. Bob's talking about being tormented by a clown, which he imagines but it's it, it sort of coincides with the right time period of when it would be set, and also because Bob claimed to live, I think he said like up in in Maine, and then like that's where a lot of Stephen King movies are set. So just amazing thing they sort of cross over that a bit. There's also a new girl thrown in the mix named Max, who's kind of like a mild love interest, and kind of becomes a. Um, kind of not a, I don't want to say a third wheel but she kind of gets in between some of the boys who are now getting a little more interest in girls she's also got an evil stepbrother Billy who looks like right out of the Lost Boys movie so Will is possessed by the mind flare in season two and it ends up with him drawing all these like underground maps of Hawkins and tunnels they realize all connect together there are these new creatures called the the, the demo dogs, which are, they travel through all these tunnels. They create chaos. They're, you know, trying to destroy everything in the path, in their path. At the same time, Dustin has discovered a small, what he calls a polywog that he nicknames Dart. And then Dart will get out of hand as well. At the same time, you're wondering where Eleven is and all this. Turns out she's been holding up in the woods in a cabin owned by Jim Hopper. So after the events of season one, she escaped from the upside down and has been laying low with Hopper ever since. So it turns out there are other girls like Eleven. That's how the series starts. And um, later on in, I forget what episode it is, seven, eight, she goes to, she travels to, is it Pittsburgh? To go sort of see this um, group of outcasts or whatever, kind of in a throwaway episode, which really doesn't connect to the, the rest. But what... I believe they do here or they're doing here is called uh, a backdoor pilot, which is where you like in the middle of a season, you put like a, a standalone episode to see if it'll work well as a spinoff. And a lot of series have done this over the years. So th- I think that's the idea that if with those other characters, they can do a spinoff um, 
show and that I, it's sort of a test of how that might hold up is actually like a pretty decent episode and it connects a lot with return of the Jedi and kind of the connections with the force and Yoda and everything. Ultimately 11 is able to battle the mind flare and she sends it back to the upside down though. It nearly kills her. The end of the season teases that the mind flare is still around though. So again, like, you know, with it so being hard to recreate the magic, it's gotta be more of a continuation of something you've already seen. I think it was, you know, season two was still very good. I I personally didn't like the way they brought back 11. I thought that would have been a little more dramatic and a little more of like iconic scenes with her. I know when she like comes into the house at the end, but I thought like her escape from the upside down wouldn't have been so sort of kind of casually portrayed. You know what I mean? She's just kind of like hanging around the whole time. And I realized you can't do you know, you can't go like six episodes without having her in it. So I just, I thought that would have been a little more, you know, more of a grand um, reveal and debut. So if you've uh, seen the trailers, there's been, you know, a couple like teaser type trailers. The The first big trailer they had came out um, a few months ago. And then the second main one going into the season was just what, like a week or two ago. So the first, I think the first trailer really sets the tone of what to expect from the third season. And, you know, there's a ton of different breakdown things, which I can't totally do if we're not looking at the video at the same time. And there's like, you know, awesome ones by new rock stars does a really good trailer breakdown. They do the best trailer breakdowns usually. But again, like I think that that first tail trailer kind of gives us like an idea of the direction of the show. And the I love the fact that it's set in the summertime, and I think that gives it again more of a, a different um, dynamic and a different you know with the other ones more set in that typical fall Halloween spooky season. This is more it gives more of like a, a coming of age story. It's that whole idea of like one summer can change everything. Uh, the idea of summer romance. And I, I think they're they're bringing in sort of that movie style into it, which I think is amazing idea. Again, because the, like with the Duffer brothers who've created this and all the writers and producers, they, they, they don't want to risk anything like getting stale or not living up to the hype. And I think they're smart to like start moving into new directions and, um, you know, creating like a different atmosphere around each season. So, as well as that, this season, you know, and then obviously just based on the trailers, looks a lot like larger, grander, more, way more production values. A big focus of the third season is the new Starcourt Mall, which, you know, was something, again, this is set in 1985. And it's a thing that's happening in the 80s as like downtown businesses and in, in towns all over North America are starting to go to business. They're starting to fade away. And these new malls are are dominating and taking away from everything. You know, they're in usually not not necessarily in the outskirts, but pushed away from the, you know, like the center uh, focus of the town. And it's funny now is the malls are starting to fade away to online commerce and Amazon and everything like that. So a focus in the third season is this new mayor in the town. Again, watch the trailer just to be caught up if you haven't, and I'm sure you already have. So it seems obvious that there is a massive connection between that new Star Starcourt mall 
and what I assume is a government involvement regarding the upside down. So the mall is either appears to be like a front or so, you know, just something to either study or harness the power that's possible from the upside down. So it's hard to tell how much the people in power are aware of, say, something like the mind flare and that they're just trying to like they've always been trying to kind of harness and investigate what's going on in the upside down through both seasons. So like 11 remarks that the gate to the upside down didn't close properly and he got back out. I think one of the coolest things in this trailer and I think is sort of symbolic, but I could be completely wrong is the inclusion of the who's Bob O'Reilly, AKA teenage wasteland as the theme song. And you know, everything is done so specifically in these trailers. And I really think that the inclusion of this song kind of nicknamed Teenage Wasteland is implying that one of the main characters, like one of the main kids is going to be killed off in this season. And I think they need to have a huge moment like this to really cement the impact and the future of the show. Uh, It seems as of right now, it's pretty clear. Like there's obviously going to be a fourth season and it looks pretty guaranteed that there'll be a fifth season. That'll probably be it from as much as I've read. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the thing I find interesting, if you look at the impact that the Marvel movies, you know, especially Infinity War and Endgame have kind of reset a bit of a modern standard on how characters can be eliminated, that if you have enough faith in your vision and your creativity of your, your movie or your whatever it is, you know, you can pull off these massive, massive, um, choices and ideas knowing it's how it's going to play out in the long term and i like again with marvel and the avengers no matter how big they are the characters can be eliminated and i think stranger things needs to follow suit and kind of like capitalize on what um the mcu has been able to do for entertainment right now so i honestly think one of the main kids needs to to, yeah kick the bucket this season and just to see how that plays into it so here are some of the new characters for season three. So like I mentioned, the first one is the new mayor and he's named Mayor Klein, played by Carrie Elwes, who was in The Princess Bride, if you remember him. Next main character is Jake Busey, brother of Gary Busey. He plays Bruce, who is a kind of shifty reporter who works for the Hawkins Post. So he's either going to dig up something he shouldn't or get too involved. Interestingly, I think... Got to assume Bruce, he's named after the shark from Jaws is what they, the production team and whatever, they nicknamed him through the movie. The next one is Francesca Riel. She plays lifeguard Heather. She was also on, she was the sister on, what was the um, Miranda Sings show on Netflix? Whatever that one was, she was the sister on that. She seems to have a significant role as episode three is entitled The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. And she's featured in the trailer as well, too, the girl in the red bathing suit. 
Next one is Maya Hawk, daughter of Ethan Hawk. She plays, I think they're going with Robin with her name, but she works with Steve at the mall at the ice cream parlor called Scoops Ahoy. So she's said to be this like alternative girl, probably a new love interest for Steve um, or whatever. She's going to be in the mix and cause some sort of mishap. And it's hard to determine exactly what role she'll play, but she's obviously going to get thrown into the loop and get caught up in everything like the same way Max did. So, but who knows how big her actual role will be. Here's an interesting thing. I didn't realize you can hear a few voices in the different trailers, which is apparently the actual mind flare talking. And that's a real actor voice done by a guy named Michael Park, who's from the Broadway show, Dear Evan Hansen, if you are aware of that. Okay. Here's, something with the third season which is mind-blowing to me and again if you've listened to this podcast uh, or if you had been aware of everything that was going on with new coke and in one of the other trailers it involves uh, billy coming on for his lifeguard shift and the mothers including um karen wheeler nancy and mike's mom there are she's sitting poolside by her friends and you know and he walks through as heather uh, the other lifeguard, they switch shifts. She's drinking a can of new Coke, which they specifically show that is a can of new Coke. And I'm a huge buff on everything to do with the history of new Coke. I did a whole entire podcast. You can go back and listen to that one. And this is an amazing, what do you call it? Just where a combination of uh, like a brand extension and marketing and promotion, but also nostalgia connected all together with one show on something that used to exist, but didn't. And they've brought it back. It here's the quick rundown. If you're not aware of what new Coke was. So going into the eighties, Coke was getting killed by Pepsi in the marketplace and they decided they had to do something to switch it up. So this is 1985, and it's the 100th anniversary of Coke, which was created in 1885. And they decided that they would introduce a whole new version of it, like a whole new taste, a whole new formula. The idea is they wanted to create actually like a sweeter product as diet drinks, especially like Diet Coke and everything, were getting bigger. And people were getting a little more familiar with that sort of sweetness. They were trying to create like an actual sugared version of that among other things. And there's different theories on why they did that. So they do a lot of testing, a lot of market research. And many people are saying they like the new flavor, but they liked it more as an addition to the Coke lineup. So Coke would end up abandoning the old formula altogether and they released new Coke on April 23rd, 1985. And people went ballistic. And again, it's not that they disliked new Coke, but the problem was Coke had stopped making the original formula altogether. And they did not anticipate the nostalgia people had for it. And again, people went nuts. They were like getting massive letter writing campaigns. They were getting like 1,500 letters a day. They had a 24-7 phone complaint line going on. They had to even hire psychiatrists to analyze the messages they were getting from people. And they... They like psychiatrists, psychologists, everyone. What they were concluding was people were responding to the loss of the original Coke the same way they would to losing a family member. Like that's how much of an impact it had on them that they didn't realize. So Coke eventually throws in the towel and they stop producing new Coke just 79 days after launching it. They then bring back the original Coke formula and they rebrand it as Coca-Cola Classic. And it kept that title up till 2009. So 
Again, go back and listen to my episode. It goes way more in depth. But it's been considered one of the biggest marketing screw-ups in history. And at the same time, some people question if that was their intention the whole time, was to create this nostalgia um, around the original Coke. But either way, the inclusion of new Coke in Season 3 is brilliant. And Coca-Cola launched a campaign in conjunction with the show to bring back the original new Coke formula for a limited time. You probably saw this all over the news when they released it. And when Coke, um, go on coca-cola.com slash 1985. And that was their link to selling it. And the design of the website is like an old, old style internet page. And the site like immediately crashed when it was released. I was on there like trying to get it. It was impossible. So it's such an amazing idea for a campaign to use a piece of history in a modern show that's set in the past and then bring that original product back into the real world. So it's amazing how they work together with the show to like write it in um, and the fact that they, they could bring this back and something like get a second life out of something that's considered one of the biggest flops in marketing history. So yeah, I'm I'm so, so psyched about that. I don't know how deep it'll go beyond just like, oh, she's drinking a new Coke, but whatever. But again, check out the uh new co- or sorry, coca-cola.com/1985 so you can get I think in the package it includes two cans of new Coke and then two specific Stranger Things bottles. I think one's a Coke Zero and one's a regular Coke and they they're specifically like branded for Stranger Things. So either way, amazing. Okay, let's look at some of the theories for Stranger Things Season 3. So here's the thing with me. like I used to be big on, I don't know, seeing what everyone's saying and speculating, and, and that's what the internet does. It does it speculate so the cows can come home on what to expect any time a trailer drops. And, you know, I wanted to find every theory, but it's gotten to the point now I don't want to ruin shows or movies i want to go in as fresh as possible now and then i I like to see more of the response afterwards more of the dissection and the interpretation of whatever whether it's a marvel movie or stranger things or whatever so the other thing now is the producers are so deliberate with what they reveal in trailers now because they know like if you look at a trailer from 10 years ago they're so like clunky and almost juvenile they're just sort of put together like hey there here's this and this might happen this and now people like are are so in, um involved and ingrained in like these different worlds and universes so they don't want to reveal too much and they know that everyone's going to go through these trailers with a fine tooth comb and break down every single scene. So everything I think you see in trailers now is so deliberately put in there, including showing scenes that won't even appear in the final product, like anything they can do to throw people off. And again, like Marvel probably does that better than anybody. So again, you can stop listening now if you don't want to hear things that might come true or might not come true or, you know, may, may kind of throw you off because they might be in the back of your head and you might be anticipating or expecting and not being surprised. So I'm going over a few and yeah. So, I mean, you can stop now or or continue on, or you might've read a lot of them already. So regarding the whole thing with the trailer, and I think I'm not sure if this is the case because it's so clearly shown in the trailer that one of the big theories for season three is that Billy is infected with something from the upside down and is 
basically in the process of being turned into some sort of creature. And it's thought that the monster from the end of that first trailer is actually Billy after that full metamorphosis. And so that seems what's obvious, but the more I looked at it and again, we'll see how wrong I am. I think it's so obvious that they're showing that this is a conclusion in the trailer that I don't think it's going to end up being the case. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's almost like they're like, Billy's going to get bit. He's going to turn in the creature. Like it's so clear unless they just, they want that to be um, a big focal point and to draw people in. But I don't think they would give away that much. And again, the big appeal with all these shows and you know, is just not knowing where it's going to lead. So that, that's sort of my idea. And then here's a few of the theories that have been predicted kind of combination of what I've read combination of my own, just a few I'll put together. So, you know, again, one of that idea, like ideas like Billy's definitely got to be infected and, and turn into monster and die or whatever, because everyone who's so far in each season who has a name starting with B has <laughs> kicked the bucket. Barb in season one, Bob in season two, Billy in season three. So whatever, we'll see. Uh, the next sort of theory is that the mind flare is going to start hijacking more of the minds of the people in the town and start turning the people in the town into various monsters. And that might be what you're seeing in the trailer. Another thing though, is that they've been really focused on showing rats in the trailer, especially running into this uh, steel mill. And that idea is that they're going to be turned into an army of monsters by the mind flare. He's got access to all these rats. They'll do that. But like I said before, the Starcourt mall clearly is the epicenter of everything. And I mean, they're not hiding that because the final battle, um, the final episode is called the battle of Starcourt. And again, they show that in the trailer, very Dawn of the dead again. And so it's thought that the mall has actually been built over that old energy lab from season one um, and two, you know, we're like we're, where eleven comes from and everything like that. I'd I'd say that's a pretty good bet. Uh, just again, how deep it goes and how much it's connected. And then another theory is that the mind flare is creating another sort of alternate universe and bringing people over from the real real world to populate it, but sort of like contorting them into various monsters, like with the shots of eleven standing on the beach. That so that's possibly a different dimension or alternate universe so but i mean these are kind of things we would sort of expect anyway we don't know how specifically right they might be so again grain of salt see what you think okay so I'll start wrapping up here hopefully you're as excited as i am hopefully this preview show gets you ready to go with it again like i love that they're moving the setting into summertime it's away from more that typical fall spooky halloween thing it's more summer fun and summer carnivals and fairs. I think that's an awesome new direction. Again, the characters are growing up and I think that they, the season can push the maturity of not just them, but of the whole series. And I think this is their pinnacle. Say they're going to do five seasons. This is their pinnacle season. I would say, because it's just going to change the trajectory of everything and kind of launch where these characters are going and what they're going to become. I also love, again, that it's set in 1985, which I think is the pinnacle year of the whole decade. Again, now there's a few more things that can be referenced that are going to be released to, to the kids in the Stranger Things world, like Back to the Future has come out, The Goonies is out, Weird Science is out, The Breakfast Club. So a lot of those cool things they can now include. But again, this might seem weird, 
as much as I love all the references and throwbacks, but I'm hoping they don't go overboard on all that just for nostalgia's sake. I felt they did that a little too much in season two. They're like including it's a little, little kind of like the member berries from South park. Like you're putting those things just, I know, I know it's like a fan service and that's awesome. And I think the first season established that, perfectly with how it was including these classic things we loved and and they're still important and they're still important in season two but a, a few of the things i thought they were just kind of being a little too upfront with and they weren't necessarily needed again i'm not going to complain you know if it doesn't distract um it, now i think they're, they're branching off and it's their own legacy they're created but obviously i still want some sort of like flux capacitor delorean reference 100 percent Again, the like the whole as a show, like there's a ton of money been spent. I haven't even act. Netflix is so protective with a lot of this stuff, and I haven't been able to find anywhere how much they've spent on this thing. But apparently, it's a crap load. And again, the production values look so ramped up for this season, and it looks like the most work has been put in this season than the other ones. And, <clears throat> and apparently, the Duffer Brothers had begin had begun writing it back in 2016 before the second season had even premiered. So I would say that the characters will be more fully developed, uh, more fleshed out. Uh, and I think again, like the growth of the show will be massive in this third season. And again, you know, like any form of entertainment, all the production in the world doesn't mean a damn thing. If the writing sucks, you know, like just look at the last season of game of Thrones and how upset everyone was about that. And I, when you, we have people like, super creative people like these Duffer brothers and all the people involved, they have so much pride in this and they, they know, you know, they don't want to phone it in and they wouldn't even risk putting themselves in that position. So again, the writing is so critical, everything to do with TV, everything you love, like it doesn't matter how it looks, how it's filmed. It's everything comes down to writing. Um, and I think they've, they're going to put and have put the most writing um, and development into this season. And again, like the cast has described the season three as bigger, darker and scarier. And I think that's exactly what I'm hoping for. And hopefully you're hoping for too. So let's cut it off there. <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed this one. Um, if you know other people who might like this, share it with them. Um, but again, if you haven't already subscribed to the show and I'll do, I'll do like a season three recap after it's out. I wanted to get this out just in time before um, July 4th. So that's it. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.